there, welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I am Benjamin Light. And I am Marcus Marks. And today we're talking about S4E7, Crash and Burn, girl. Oh boy. What a weird title. I remember that when this episode first aired, I looked at this title and beyond the ATAC in the previous episode, I was thinking this could be about anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I get... Little did we suspect it would be about actual bad guys. Yeah. Uh, gotta love the previously on package that features a shot of Toby getting bonked over the head from the end of last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode written by Brian Holdman, who's been at the show since since season one. Um, directed by Ron Lagomarsino, who's directed quite a few episodes, including, I believe, Unmasked. Yeah, he did the, the big un- unmasking of Mona. All right, so shall we get into this? jump right in we're looking at spencer and emily washing some dishes in hannah's kitchen uh naturally because of pll we're looking through the window at them so they each take up like a side of the window as they yeah. wash away um, yeah because they're the same person uh emily's doing or spencer's doing the scrubbing emily's doing the drying mm-hmm. um and then emily takes a giant bowl over to one of the shelves before she can put it up on the middle shelf spencer calls out to her uh i think that goes on the top shelf well it's because she you can see she's kind of like wincing a little she lifts it up and so she she goes to her lower shelf but this of course spencer has to point out like because spencer knows where the dishes in hannah's house go of course she uh, yeah that goes on the top shelf and emily's like really thanks for telling me that this time yeah and spencer but then spencer comes over and helps her oh yeah um and kind of asks, you know, your shoulder's still hurting? Yeah, physical therapy isn't helping. And there's this, you know, tension. And somehow this leads into Toby, or I'm sorry, Spencer, apologizing for Toby and the RV again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's still not ready to tell. Uh, and she mentions uh, Shauna and, you know, Jenna and all that business. But Emily is just like, I just want to stop talking about that for a minute. We need to c- concentrate on Hannah here. Yeah. Emily's face just says, fuck that bitch, every time Shauna comes up. And then, the moment my PLO notes have been waiting for since the beginning of time, (laughs) Arya walks into the scene of a plate of food and wearing a giant pink top that's all torn up that says, as if, on it in giant letters. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's all, like, torn. I mean, it looks like maybe it's, like, knitted out of yarn or something. I didn't notice that it was all torn up Mm -hmm. at the bottom the first time I watched this episode, but oh my god. It says, as if. As if. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. she brings in this plate of food that Hannah was not hungry for. We know it's bad times in Hannah's world because she's not eating. Yeah. I mean, like, Ari would have been a child when Clueless came out, right? Uh, Clueless? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, like, she'd been like two, maybe. It was 96, so. I mean, would that not be your primary pop culture marker for the expression as is? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, that and going postal. For a second, uh, I thought she said Clue, and then I was just thinking about Clue. Uh, but yeah, Arya like, says it's, it's nice to see Spencer and Emily talking. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, Hannah isn't eating. She puts a plate down. And so, Spencer. Sorry, go. Uh, Spencer suggests those mozzarella sticks from the brew that Hannah really loves. And Emily says, you know, the brew can't deliver the one thing that Hannah really needs, which is to get her mom out of jail. Mm-hmm. Arya is going to go throw the food away, but then Spencer's like, no, no, let me get some saran wrap and we can save this. Yeah, Tom Iron might eat it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, great reference to chiseling Ashley out of jail, which uh, I really thought that like that's what the show needs in season six. The liars literally breaking somebody mm-hmm. out of prison. It would um, be funny if like Tom Marin were to come in right now 
and just be like, what are you people who are not my daughter doing just like holding court in my kitchen? And he's like, how did, how did you like, get in here? You're doing are you? dishes. You're like, you know where all the stuff in the, the no, drawers me, and cabinets are. Let me take that one step further. Tom goes to put a bowl up and Spencer's like, I think that goes on the top shelf. Yeah. Um, Hannah hasn't said much about uh, stuff that Ashley's going through. Just that there's an arraignment coming up and that Tom won't take her to any of the meetings of the legal team. And I'm dying to hear about Ashley Marin's like, legal dream team. <laughs> I think it's Veronica Hastings. And- well, because Spencer says she'll find out more later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, Spencer's like, well, it's getting late. Why don't you guys leave? Uh, it's time for me to bust out like the big guns, like kick frosting and a big spoon. Yeah. Uh, but Ari and Emily are both like, no, it's cool. I can say, like, I'm, I'm down. Emily says the only way we're getting Hannah, uh, the only way we're getting Hannah through this is together. And, ah, you know. Yeah. And they all kind of take hands and Spencer and, takes Emily's hand or I, rather Emily takes Spencer's hand and yeah, Ari takes Spencer's hand and then Emma takes the other hand and then they form Voltron. Mm-hmm. And Spencer looks like she might cry because it's like, ah, Emily is accepting her once more. Yeah. into the the liar group so she asks spencer asks where hannah is for the purpose of segue which we then slice up to hannah's bedroom where she's on the phone of caleb listening to the musical stylings of one mr tyler blackburn yeah it's pretty clever the way she can listen to her boyfriend and talk to him on the phone at the same time well i love it the previous time that at least we're aware of that we heard one of his songs on the show was again another caleb scene mm-hmm. um i mean do they say those is he like all right a song for the show? I would I would love if that's part of his contract that Tyler Blackburn will like literally compose his own soundtrack. Or does he just get the script and he's like, you know what this needs? Need some more of my band. Can you imagine that at the read through when they're like, <laughs> oh shit, Tyler Blackburn just walked in with a guitar again? You know what this means. <laughs> um, I hope that's true. Yeah. So uh, hands on the phone of Caleb. She makes him promise not to do anything stupid. And he's like, I would never do anything stupid, Hannah. And she's just like, never. You let me into your life after all. Because um, <laughs> Hannah is the smartest thing that Caleb's ever done, as he says. But because before her, he was just boffing really dumb girls. Um, no, he was a virgin, right? I mean. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, he's done some stupid things. He's just living like, in the walls. Like. Bringing uh, the gun to the face-off of Nate St. Germain that eventually backfired getting mixed up onto with, himself. Getting mixed up with actual bad guys. Yeah. Well, in, in Allentown. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, anywhere that, like, there's a Billy Joel song about, stay the fuck away. Yeah, so, uh, Caleb's, you know, this is the smartest thing he's ever done, is getting involved with her, and he's reassuring Hannah, as soon as I find something, I'll be there beside you. And then off screen, we hear Toby ask if he wants some coffee. And he does this kind of funny little look where he just kind of like, as he's on the phone, he like looks over and like nods like this weird little smile. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I want, the, I want some of that coffee. These guys basically have the same chemistry as Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon and Wild Things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Hannah needs to go. She's got the girls downstairs. They exchange I love you. Hannah hangs up. And then we see that Caleb is talking to Toby there because it's kind of hidden at first. And Toby comes up and he's like, yeah, he's just like, she's a tough girl. And like Toby hands Caleb (laughs) that cup of coffee. You ready to do this? And then just like guitarist, like guitaring intensifies. And and then we, there's like a light on their face. And then the thing turns around and we see what they're looking at, which is. As they both drink their coffee and like look ahead. Yeah. 
their evidence wall. Their evidence wall is pretty sad. It's pretty fucking Cause pathetic. I mean, they are hardy broing it here. Uh, they've got a kind of simple map of the Thornhill Lodge area. They have a, a timeline of events from that night at the lodge. They got a picture of the airstrip and then like some pictures of planes, picture of like Allie, Wilden, Melissa, Shauna, Jenna, Mona. Another Shauna, yeah. And that's about it. Cleveland something, Pittsburgh something. Like it does like a montage where it's like their faces and then like kind of fading in and out to like various portions of the big board here. But it keeps going over the same places because there really isn't a lot to fill yeah. up the montage. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, we already saw that picture of Mona. This montage is brought to you by whoever makes post-it notes. Um, the important thing is there's really sick guitarists like playing over this whole thing. It, a more, it's, it's very similar to like that, like, the, like that shitty bar music that Mona would play when she's A. Um, like for a minute, like you could, you could tune in right now and think like, am I watching an episode of Sons of Anarchy? <laughs> um, yeah, the line from the song was the devil takes care of his own. Um, Toby says, let's get started. So they both start just writing shit down. Like, right. Oh, you're not started yet. Like I thought this big board was you getting started. Um, oh, we should mention this is at Toby's loft. This is also, did you notice that this is Toby took the TV down to put up this evidence wall? He doesn't need a TV. No, this is this is what he's going to live and breathe. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not like there wasn't other empty walls or blank spaces in this apartment. What do you think Toby's writing on his notepad right now? Like, let's get started. He's just like, step one, get more evidence for the big board. Step two, step three, yeah. catch A. Oh, and then Caleb writes down in a post-it note, where is A, question mark, and like puts it on the map. Good job. Nice going, Caleb. You guys are hot on the trail. Um, so If only you guys had gotten together sooner, you would have solved all these girls' problems, right? Seriously. Seriously. Uh, the men have stepped in. Uh, so after the credits, we're in Emily's bedroom. It's the next day. It's morning. Emily's doing Emily shit. Pam comes in on the phone. Something is not covered by insurance. Blah, blah, blah. Um, Pam wants Emily to do prolotherapy. Right. Emily's like, prolotherapy? And Pam says, yes, it's a series of injections that stimulate the tissue around the, the injury to promote healing. Okay, Pam. Somebody at the station suggested that to her. The injections are one a week for about two months. Emily knows that money's tight around the field's home right now. Emily offers to pay for it. Just a reminder, Emily, quote-unquote, works about two hours a day at a coffee shop. So obviously she's got the cash to burn. Who knows where these people get Cash to money? burn, girl. Um, Pam doesn't want that. You know, She says the first session is going to be tricky, a little tricky, but insurance will cover most of it. Pam is like hoping this will make surgery unnecessary. Uh, Emily keeps getting texts. She apologizes to her mom, says they're from Hannah. You know, Emma's gonna go over there later. Pam isn't cool with that. Mm-hmm. She's like, right or wrong? Ashley's been accused of murder. She's just like, how would it look? Basically, like, how would it look for you to be hanging out with somebody whose mom's accused of murder? Like, the best thing you can do to help your friend Emily is to stay away from her. Yeah. Pam thinks that Hannah needs to spend more time with her dad. Um, well, she's, she's such a weasel. Like, oh, Hannah needs to spend more time with her dad. She's not saying stay away from Hannah, Emily. She's just saying, I think Hannah is going to be too busy to hang out with you. Well, and, you know, Pam Fields, good, upstanding citizen who just a few episodes ago was suspected of beating her child. Um, I think Emily just kind of lets that hang there. And it's like Pam, like, realizes that it's like shitty o'clock and that she needs to go suddenly. Um she tells Emily that she'll meet her at the, the meet her at the station, you know, after after school we'll go from there. So 
cut to outside Rosewood High where we see uh, Tony Danza's car is parked out front and it's fucked up still. Before we get into that, uh, according to Wikipedia, major medical insurance policies view prolotherapy as an investigational or experimental therapy with inconclusive evidence base. So it might be quackery. Well, I suspect it is because it seems like what she's trying to do is that she doesn't want to pay the money for what's absolutely necessary, which is the surgery. So she thinks yeah. that prolotherapy will be like the well, the immediate short like short amount of money to spend to avoid the long term. In real sports medicine, they use uh like these like little ultrasound machines to like stimulate the tissue to make it heal faster. Like that's a real medical thing. You can you can get the equipment to do that. Like a dude I work with has that for like wrist surgery that he had. Hmm. But prolotherapy, I don't know about that. Sounds like the kind of bullshit Pam would hear at work and be like, I should spend my money on that instead of real medicine. Yeah, yeah. Spend the money and make your daughter bionic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Connor slash Tony Danza's car is out in front of the school. Uh, the windshield has apparently been fixed, but the side windows are still broken, and the word liar is still there, spray painted on the side. <laughs> in oh, your boy. fucking face, Connor. And there's like kids just like gawking at it, like, ew. Because he parked it right in front of the school. Yeah, really. Like, can't you walk to school? See, How I, far I, away I, do you live? I wouldn't bring that to school. So in the courtyard, we see Arya's walking, you know, through there with, with Mr. Mikey Montgomery, her little brother. Mm-hmm. This is probably only the fourth time, I think, that she's ever actually associated with her little brother at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she tries not to. All right, so Arya's fashion. Oh, gosh. Um, is it a whole dress? It's like purple. It's long sleeve. Yeah, I think it's a whole dress with like a big black high waisted belt. Uh, it, it's purple with like weird black swirly patterns on it. It's very like tight. flowers. Yeah. yeah, it looks good on her, but it also looks like an updated version of something someone would wear in a Guns N' Roses video. Um, mm-hmm. Arya is basically a walking sugar skull, and it's time she realized it. But also, she's wearing this thing around her neck. Oh, that I don't even know what that is. It looks like the kind of pouch like a Native American shaman would carry mm. around with them, and inside is the magic dust that cures the tribe's bad dreams. I think that's where she carries Davos's finger bones for good luck. That would make a lot of sense, too. Mm. Um, or Ezra's balls. <laughs> so Arya says, you know, at least he fixed the windshield. Wonder how long to fix the rest. You know, Mike says that Connor should have just sold it for scrap. And Arya's like, Mike, Connor works at a coffee shop. The only four wheels he could afford were a skateboard. So what are you? That's why he there? has to drive around that busted up shit wagon. <laughs> yeah. What are you saying? Is it's not like Connor could help his parents pay off any fancy shoulder injections or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mike is LOLing that Arya might actually feel sorry for this guy, and Arya says, "Sorry, I would have gladly taken a whack at that pinata." And Mikey says, "Whoever did it knows Connor's a wuss. Uh, he always gets worked at, right, by offense. Hasn't fouled out of the game this season. Things get aggressive. He backs down every time." And Mike might as well be speaking in Chinese to Arya. Yeah, I don't know. Arya's like, I don't know what the fuck you just said. Lax, bro. Uh, Arya points out that Mike never showed up for open mic night. And Mikey, this is like his one good line. Uh, he says, sad chicks and hipster glasses playing the same three chords and whining about their ex. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, Arya's face right now. Yeah, three things. One, you should be exclusively going after the very girls you just described, Mikey. Mm-hmm. Two, one of those girls actually played the same three chords on a fiddle, which was weird, but was also kind of awesome. Three, you're a pair of like trendy spectacles away from describing your big sister. Oh, because her face right now is just saying, like, careful, little boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be careful. But, but Arya's basically got her invisible detective fedora on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike starts to walk away, and so she's like, so, you just stayed home? 
Yeah, and then he starts to get a little uh, defensive because she's getting pushy about his whereabouts. And he's just like, really? Uh, and he's like, hey, I, I play lacrosse. It's a tiny little stick. The damage to the car is done by like a baseball bat or lead pipe, even a sledgehammer. Sorry, it's just like, okay, you know, chill out. Forget I asked. Just doing my job. Mm-hmm. Also, it's a tiny little stick is such a meta statement. <laughs> Uh, the bell rings. Mikey is just like laters. Um, I like how Arya never assumes that any of what happened to Tony Danza's car could have anything to do with her. No, but she watches uh Mikey sus- like suspiciously as he walks away. Yeah, so cut to jail. It's uh. orange is the new black. Mm-hmm. The 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 dream came true. Ashley Marin is in an orange jumpsuit and like in I don't know, like like meeting room or whatever with Hannah Caged here. heat. Yeah. Hannah has a visitor badge on. Through the window, like behind Ashley, we see that, like, a, a cop slash prison guard is, like, watching their visitation. Mm-hmm. We find out that uh, Tom Marin's going to be staying at Hannah's house for a while to kind of quasi take care of her. Uh, and Hannah's telling Ashley that Veronica Hastings wants her to pick out something to wear to the, uh, like, the hearing that they're going to have. Mm-hmm. Ashley suggests, like, a certain black dress, and then there's this, like, one watch uh, from, like, Grandma Marin uh, that's, like, somewhere in, like, a jewelry box. Um, and she kind of keeps going on about this watch and, like, how, like, she needs that for the outfit. And then Hannah's got to be like, uh, yeah, Mrs. Hastings said no, no jewelry. And Ashley's kind of crushed by this. Yeah. She said, you know, Regina's a tough old broad. I was really hoping that would rub off on me. I could really use some tough right now. And she starts tearing up. Mm-hmm. Also that she's in handcuffs. Yeah. Good times. Uh, yeah, there's a Hannah starts to say there's a silent auction for the school's library renovation that's coming up. It'll be at some swanky restaurant in the city. Um, and Hannah's thinking that she should get them tickets before they all sell out. Ashley says no. And Hannah's like, well, maybe black tie this year. Ashley tries to say that, you know, she just needs to get to the arraignment. That's all she can think about right now. But Hannah's like on full tilt, like, what about a ski trip or a spa weekend? Well, they could, they could bid on a ski trip there or a spa weekend. And yeah. Ashley, it's just like trying not to engage. She's like, no, Hannah, no. And Hannah says, promise me you'll be my date. And Ashley like takes Hannah's hand and the guard knocks. Like, no, no touching. touching. Yeah. And Ashley's like, she's crying. She's like, I can't promise you that because I'm in fucking jail, Hannah. Yeah. Well, Hannah just desperately wants future plans that would indicate that her mom will get out of this. Yeah. But Ashley's not looking to make those kind of promises. Um, you know, Hannah's like, yes, you can because you're going to with me. And Ashley just cries. Yeah, she's the one to spoil her daughter, so she leaves. Uh, so mm-hmm. cut back to Toby's loft. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Caleb's uh, on his laptop searching aeronautical records. Pennsylvania Flight Records Administration. Uh, he gets 462 partial matches for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a bunch of crushed-up cans around them. Toby is doing something in the background. Um, and Caleb's like, you sure, Spencer, remember the potential tone number, right? I feel like I've been at it for days. And Toby's the, like, the tail number on the, the plane, yeah. Yeah, Toby's like, she can quote entire passages of Dostoevsky in two languages. Keep trying. For I days. Like, like, what has it been? One day? Like six hours. I feel like Toby and Spencer's Thursday night role play is called Crime and Punishment. <laughs> Guess which one of them is crime, which one's punishment? I'd I say think that... you'll be pleasantly surprised by yeah. the answer. And so they, they talk about their basic strategy here. They're going to track down the plane that Redcoat came in on. Toby says that uh, when he was working with Mona, Mona thought that Redcoat was pulling the strings and getting all these girls together in that lodge burn them down. That seems like an A move, right? And Caleb says, you know, Hannah thinks that Allison is still alive. And Toby says, yeah, Spencer saw her too. 
everyone else just saw a blonde in a red coat. Um, what about you, Toby? Toby was out cold. Yeah. Probably knows red coat was the one who clocked him. Out cold and clocked. It says like mm-hmm. tough guy film noir talk. Oh, um, yeah. Before this, Toby is just putting post notes on things. It's just, <laughs> that's what he's contributed so far. He's like, he puts a post it note on like a, an aerial photo of the airstrip. I feel like the post it note probably says like airstrip or something. Well, as you know, 85% detective work is just making sure you have post notes on things. Mm-hmm. The rest is good hair. Um, I probably should, I'm sure, I feel like that's what Pam's in charge of at the police station is post notes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what Caleb says, you know, what I don't get is how did Redcoat get from Thornhill all the way back to town to frame Hannah's mom? That's what I've been saying. Yeah. Uh, and Toby's like, when we'll find, when we find her, we'll ask. Toby offers to switch places of Caleb. Remember, one of them does the cooking. The other does the masturbating. Uh, yeah. Toby takes up a turn at the computer. Caleb well, like, gets what? Up. What is the teen contractor going to do at the computer that, like, the hacker couldn't do? Yeah. He's like, here, you take over. You barely even know how to work a computer. He's like, uh, where's the enter button? No, yeah. not that one. The other one. Anyway, <laughs> you take it back here. Like, you got curly mm-hmm. hair. Um, yeah, so Caleb says that when he was looking for a pen earlier, he found this. And he pulls out Toby's mom's Radley file with another mm-hmm. post note on it that says, Blonde Girl. See, they've been doing this post note game for a while. Yeah. Toby Toby's squirrely as fuck. Yeah, he's like, uh, that's uh, it's not related at all. Like, no, 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 it's it's nothing to do with uh, anything. Let me just put this in the drawer over here. Not suspicious at all, and don't ask about it again. Yeah, uh, Gail's just like, okay, I'm starving. You know, should I go get some food? Yeah, Toby will take a sandwich. Yeah, but then gonna... Toby like magically he's like, I got a match, and like the computer screen flashes, and we see there's. Some plane was at Thornhill, and the flight records are private, but there's an address of record. It's at Howell Acres Flight Center in Pennsylvania. Caleb's like, that's not far from here. And Toby says, I'll drive. And then, so they take off. Now, didn't this scene really need to end with like them like sliding down fire poles and like yes. jumping into the Hardy Bros mobile? So what the scene should have had, because not the Hardy Bros are on a case falling lead, is it should have been like, you know, one of them at the desk, one of them standing over their shoulder, you know, mm-hmm. you know, just like talking. And then if you cut to like a long shot where you realize, you know, from behind them, reverse, back a ways, that neither of them was wearing pants <laughs> the whole time. Uh, so you're going that way. That's cool. I'm, I'm going that way. Also, Howell Acres Flight Center is spelled wrong on uh, the little computer screen. That bothers me to no end. Hmm. So, Rosewood High Hallway, uh, we focus on these two random girls walking down the hallway. These chicks throw some side-eye at Emily and Hannah. Before we move on, what kind of mobile is the Hardy Bros mobile? Are they going to get in, like, uh, like Toby's, like, shitty truck? He's driving. Oh, yeah, I guess it would have to be, right? Does it, like, shoot fire out the uh, exhaust now, though, or something? I feel like it probably has, like, the, uh, like, the Duke of Hazzard, like, General Lee, uh, theme is, like, the horn. Um... Yeah, so these chicks are throwing like some major side eye at Emily and Hannah as Hannah's getting shit out of her locker. Emily sees or Emily says that no one has seen Shauna since the open night. It's like she's disappeared. And Hannah's and Hannah's like, she can't just disappear. This isn't Hogwarts. There's only so many halls and classrooms. Well, like, what does that mean Shauna's disappeared? Or it's been like a couple days or something? Maybe two days, yeah. But Hannah's pop culture references are always the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, as we find out in this episode, Emily reminds us that you know, Shauna sped, sped out of Ravenswood in Jenna's Mustang. So she ponders if, like, Shauna knows that Spencer and Toby saw her, which we're going to wager that she had to have because she literally they almost, almost ran them down. Yeah, ran them down. 
Uh-huh. Hannah is confident that Shauna will turn up again. Like it or not, she always does. Well, oh, that that rapscallion Shauna. She's always turning up. But so Emily thinks it's because like Shauna doesn't want to answer questions. That's why she's disappeared. It's not like she felt necessarily compelled to be forthcoming before. Yeah, really. Um, so Hannah closes her locker. We get the impression that Hannah is not staying. Um, Emily suggests that she could have gotten this binder or whatever for Hannah. But Hannah says, you know, she was out anyways. She had to visit her mom. Um, Emily asks how Ashley's doing, but then she notices that the two douchiest guys on any sports team ever at Rosewood. A couple of dude bros, yeah. Are casting the ultimate dorky side eye at them. Mm -hmm. Um, Emily's not putting up with this shit. She's going to stomp over there and, like, crush their dicks. I like how, like, this is a Hannah move, but Emily, you know, Emily has to do it for Hannah. Because normally Hannah would be the one that would, like, get up in some people's face for, like, looking and, like, you know, gawking. All the other three liars are handicapped in this episode. Emily's got to take on attributes of all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, she walks up to them. She's like, can I help you? These non-actors have literally no reaction at all. None. Well, they just like turn around and walk away. And, and then like Ezra like appears from out of nowhere behind Emily. And he's like, I can take it from here. Creepy. These dudes walk off and Emily hugs Hannah and uh, Emily leaves. And then Hannah starts to walk and Fitz walks with her Yeah. for some reason. He's like, oh, I'm surprised you showed up today. And Hannah's like, oh, is this about that essay that's due? Uh, no, this is Ezra's just being a creepy, concerned adult instead. You know, He's a sensitive but protective bro in a sweater vest. No, this is about me checking in. With all you're going through, can't imagine leaving the house, let alone coming here. How are you doing? And Hannah should say, like, you're my weird teacher who, like, did my friend. Why are you asking me? But, yeah. Instead, she says, everywhere I go, people are staring at me all judgy-eyed, like that lady in the book. You know the one. And Ezra's like, well, there are a lot of books in the world, Hannah. <laughs> like, really a lot. And Hannah says, no, the the one with the judgy eyes and all the knitting, um, Madame DeFarge. Hmm. It's like, DeFarge? Close enough. From A Tale of Two Cities. She Everything for- on this show is the best of times, the worst of times. Yeah. She asked for an IOU on the essay, and he's like, what essay? He's just like, I'm not your normal kind of teacher. I'm a cool teacher. He's wearing a sweater vest. Hannah's like, thank you, Mr. Fizz. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, not forever, though. Like, just until you have a little less in your play. And she's like, no, I mean, thank you for being a really decent guy. Hmm. Debatable. She leaves, and he just, like, lingers, staring after her like a like, creep. He looks boyishly creepy. But yeah, not such a decent guy. I don't know. Ezra, like, he really comes off creepy in this episode, I feel like. Well, it started at the end of the last episode. But yeah. A Tale of Two Cities is also kind of a meta statement on this half season concerning, you know, shit in Rosewood and setting mm-hmm. up Rosewood. Uh, so elsewhere. Are you saying that, like, Mikey's going to take the blame for something and be executed instead of Ezra? We can only hope. Um, mm-hmm. Elsewhere, Arya's walking down the hallway and she's heading up the stairs. As she's heading up the stairs, Principal Hackett is coming down the stairs. He's like, oh, Miss Montgomery. And her face is like, oh, shit. Because well, she's always super in trouble whenever this guy's around. The framing here is funny because not only is she like two feet tall anyway, but and he's like really tall, but he's standing like three steps above her on the stairs. Mm-hmm. And so the, all the angles are like totally looking almost like straight down at Arya or like looking straight up at him, you know, yeah, like, to- really totally, intense angles. Totally judgmental. But also as the scene continues on, it's creepier because she's basically at like crotch level to this guy <laughs> you know being judged by him um and I he's get, like yeah. sorry good he's like we have an issue uh he's just coming to find her and she's like uh, we do and hacker says that you know mike might be involved in the fucking up of tony danza's car 
Do you, know, do you know anything about this? Yeah. Uh, she was at the brew. She saw nothing, but she. Well, I like how like, she, she's like, no, I was at the brew when it happened. Like, it was like she immediately gives herself an alibi. You know, it's like, hmm. That's usually <laughs> they're coming for her. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see anything. And, uh, so he asked her, like, you know, what were, where's Mike at the time? Like, what were his whereabouts? And she's like, oh, he was video chatting with my mom. And Connor's car is at the brew and it happened. So, and she kind of like gives him this look, like, yeah, like, is that all? Whoa, like, no, no. For a moment, her mom that she shipped off the Europe, for a moment, there's what I would say is a twinge of disgust in Hackett's face as he sees that Arya is trying to blatantly manipulate him. There's another moment of awkward silence, and then she's just like, is that all? <laughs> Not quite. His medication. Is your brother still taking it? Inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, Arya says, yes, of course. What does that have to do with And Hackett's like, there were some problems last year, Arya. I know that you're aware of the ways in which your brother acted out. A fistfight? Some theft? I'm just trying to get a look at the overall picture here. And Arya's like, yeah, look, like, Mike's fine. So he's like, thank you, Miss Montgomery. You're excused. So she heads up the stairs and he watches her go very sternly. Um, I think it's a fucking station. creep. He is, but the guy, the guy who plays him does a good job of playing that level of creep. Like yeah, the- well, you get the feeling with this guy, like, I feel like one of the reasons, like, he kind of, like, manipulates Arya like this is because she's, like, short and, you know, a girl, and he can get away with this. Like, he's a total pussy when it comes to other sorts of confrontation. Right. But he knows he can push Arya around. Right. Uh, but, like, take this scene, take the scene where uh, Arya imagines or fantasizes about Ezra mm-hmm. being arrested. Take the scene where, you know, he first confronts her about whether or not she was dating Ezra. He's very good about playing, like, the nuance of, of does he know something? Does he not know something? Yeah. Can he tell that she's lying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cut to the police station where Pam is way too busy to, you know, doing police work or whatever to do daughter shit. She's getting uh, out, like, the insurance card for this doctor's appointment. Uh, she's a little busy and can't go, but Emily should be fine going by herself. Yeah. Um, she's already talking to the receptionist about intake paperwork, blah, blah, blah. Some cop shows up and says he has a key to sign Oh, it. before that, there's it's a little interesting couple of lines where Emily is kind of fishing around about Tanner. Uh-huh. And she's like, oh, yeah. you know, I happen to see her at the open mic night. And and Pam just mentions, like, oh, I haven't talked to her. And so, like, basically that, that little bit was, like, Emily's kind of wondering like did you see that video right of me no all right never mind <laughs> right um yeah so some some detective shows up he has a key to sign in this is apparently pam's job he hands her the key she sets it down it's case w6409 the darren wilden murder case it's uh descriptions darren wilden apartment key mm-hmm. and emily's like eyeing in this like hmm apparently so we- pam's job is to have people sign in and out of her clipboard well, she has. She gets this like, like lockbox out of her desk that she uses her key to open up, and then there's like a shitload of like keys inside the lockbox. Mm-hmm. Is that like a real police procedure? They store uh, all the keys and. What I would like is for Al Gore to come explain it to us. Al Gore, lockbox. Lockbox. Um, so Emily asks, you know, the cops are still looking for other suspects in Wilden's murder, and Pam is just like, huh, sure. The investigation's ongoing. Mm-hmm. Emily's scheming a little bit. She asks her mom for directions to the clinic because she's not sure how to get there. Pam seems so frazzled and says, How could oh, you yeah. not be sure how to get somewhere in Rosewood? Yeah, well, it works on Pam because she's so mm-hmm. frazzled. She says, sure, she went to do that earlier. She runs off of the printer. 
uh, it looks like Emily's already pocketed something was my first take, but she sits down at at Pam's desk, like contemplating whether or not to steal this key, you know, surrounded mm-hmm. by cops. And I don't know if Emily is just that fucking good at sleight of hand or if Pam is just that bad at her job. Well, Pam leaves her keys right on the desk and that box is like two feet away. So I yeah. can imagine that after the scene's over, Emily goes for the, the key. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, so cut to the Montgomery house where Byron's on the phone with somebody as Arya comes home. Uh, he asks if Mike is with her. She says she thinks that Mike's at practice. Um, well, on the phone, he's like, I understand. I'll see, I'll see you soon, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he just got the phone at the school. Uh, one of Mike's teammates is filing a police report, and that boy's father is pressing to have Mike expelled. Yeah, because of the damage to the car. And Byron's just like, it's that kid you tutored last week. Isn't that weird? Did you notice any tension between them? Notice any truth to this? I, I caused it. Yeah. Um, Arya looks very guilty. Yeah. And he's like, I need to know what's up. And Arya says, I think this is happening because of me. <laughs> uh, Connor kissed me. I said I wasn't interested. So he started this rumor at school. What kind of rumor? The kind that's not really worth repeating. Hmm. And Byron, you know, wants to know why she didn't come to him about this. And Arya's like, I thought I handled it. And why would Connor say these things about you? And uh, they just kind of stare at each other for a while. And finally, Arya's like, apparently there's been some talk about me and Ezra. And Byron's face is just like, uh. It's like he knew this day would come. Yeah, yeah. Arya says that she guessed that Connor assumed that because she dated an older guy that he, she'd do anything with anybody. <laughs> and Byron is like, like setting his jaw. He's like on the verge of doing something tough and stupid. But then he comes back and he says he's not concerned if Ezra fits. He's Byron's just like, Ugh, that only works on other older dudes. Let me have a talk to this Connor guy. Yeah, he's concerned with Mike and what kind of trouble he could be in. Um, you know, Byron says, from the sound of it, it looks like this Connor kid is the one who needs to be scrutinized and punished. And he storms off for a minute. And it's such a sensible reaction that it seems suspect coming yeah. to Byron. Because she's like, where are you going? I'm going to go talk to Mikey. <laughs> it's like, are you? Yeah. That yeah. seems rational. Clearly, you can't be doing that. Yeah, Arya seems confused slash intrigued. She's probably thinking, am I at the center of this storm or not? <laughs> uh, cut to Hannah's kitchen where Hannah's like sitting at the island. She's signing checks with Ashley's name. Next to the checkbook, we see a scratch paper where she's been practicing her mom's handwriting. I like this because of two things. Mm-hmm. First, we've seen in the previous episode that Hannah knows all of her friends' handwriting by heart. Yeah. Secondly, in the last episode, it was a plot point that A had duplicated Emily's handwriting and switching that video. You know, that she got from Hannah. I've been trying to like work on some theories that like either Hannah is A or possibly Ashley's A. Mm -hmm. This would definitely play into the Hannah's A thing, right? This episode to me is strong for that and also for um, Arya being A. Well, yeah, that's every episode. True, true, true. Um, Spencer lets herself in the back door. Because Hannah's not really with the liars in much of this episode, but she is here because Spencer comes in, yeah. Yeah, why would she let herself in the front door? Why would she even mm-hmm. use the front door? Why did Caleb use the front door in the previous episode? Um, I don't really know what to say about Spencer's dress, only that it, I can't tell, but it looks like her dress tells the story of the Dust Bowl illustrations. But then, of course, she has a blazer on over it. Of course. Um, mm-hmm. Hannah says that she doesn't want her mom to come home to like no lights or anything, hence her forging the signature on the bills to pay mm-hmm. bills. Um, and Spencer, Spencer may- she just sits down. She's like, Hannah, I need you to hear me. They kind of stare at each other for a while. And Hannah says, okay, quit making that face. That's your bad news face. Yeah. And she's, she kind of ponders. She says, my mom's not coming home anytime soon, is she? 
Because Hannah's like been going through all these motions to be like, my mom will be at, be back any day. We're going to make plans. I'm going to pay right. the bills to make sure the, you know, the lights are on when she comes home. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that ain't going to happen. Spencer overheard her mom talking strategy with her dad, which I feel like that's just teasing us to like mention Peter Hastings and not see him. So Ashley's legal dream team is Hastings and Hastings and Hastings after all. Mm hmm. From what it sounds like, it'd probably be better if your mom had done it. Fucked up thing to say. Yeah, with Ashley's history with Wilden, and she could prove he threatened her, she could get voluntary manslaughter. 20 years. If not, first degree murder. And Hannah says, and my mom spends the rest of her life in jail. And Spencer says, mm, worse, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Hannah's crushed. That's just how bad it looks. Um, Hannah's like, no, that's just how bad A made it look. So Hannah breaks down in tears. Spencer, you know, kind of holds her and comforts her. Um, meanwhile, cue the guitar riff. This is some some good Spencer Hannah, you know, bonding here as they hold each other. Yeah, cue the guitar riff. We we cut to the How Acres Flight Center where Toby and Caleb, the Hardy Bros, walk inside. I'm guessing Caleb would be Frank and Toby would be Joe. Oh, the Hardy Boys. Yeah. Yeah, I I never read enough of them. To really they head up to the counter. See. Where one Mr. Nigel Wright is working, we see do the you know his little name tag thing on the on the counter. So th- this guy, if you're an avid watcher of PLL, you may recognize him. He was Jonathan's date to the Wilden's funeral back in the S4U1. He is for life, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He reminds me of like the like a younger version of Jude Law's character in I Heart Huckabees. This guy is like super off-brand Winklevi. How am I not myself? But more, mm-hmm. but more Californiaized and like. shorter. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just have to say again, I would totally watch a show that was basically the Rockford Files, starring Caleb and Toby. Um, Nigel asks how he can help them, and Caleb starts in immediately with, "Yeah, my buddy here got stiffed on a kitchen remodel, and the guy owns a plane. He <laughs> thinks he keeps it here, so maybe you can help us see if he skipped town." Nigel, right? Should be like, "This guy's a contractor. Get the fuck out." Yeah, this guy's a teenager, huh? <laughs> Oh, you haven't heard of me? I'm Toby Cavanaugh, teen contractor. Yeah. Also, I sometimes fight crime. Maybe mm-hmm. you heard of me. So, uh, Nigel Wright says, anybody can look up a flight plan. Uh, do you have the tail number? And Toby says, when we tried, we, we tried that, nothing came up. And Nigel says, hmm, must be enrolled in the blocked aircraft registry. Happens sometimes. Celebrities, corporations, kids like private planes. And Nigel says, sometimes. Toby says, but they still have to register a flight plan. If he took, if his plane took off and landed here, you'd have it on file, right? Usually. And so then Caleb has to uh, work his investigative magic. He's like, uh, I think you'd help us out a little. As he kind of slides a twenty on over. Found a loophole. Mm-hmm. This dude takes the money, puts it in the pocket, and gets a tail number, and yeah, let's see what we got. Starts mm. tapping away. I like how he turns his screen around to like they all kind of stare at the screen as he types. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Caleb sees the last time the plane left this airport. It was the night of the fire. Toby sees the destination code, asks where that is. Nigel says... Well, because they, they find the, the plane. Yeah, this is a regional airport in Delaware. Caleb says, well, that's nowhere near Thornhill. Toby says, no passengers, and the pilot's name is John Smith. And Caleb's like, sure it is, and I'm Pocahontas. <laughs> Caleb Rivers, little Indian princess. Yeah, so let's just say this plane maybe wanted to stop somewhere else, like Thornhill. And... You know, sure. Nigel says a uh, pilot could inform air traffic control or not. It depends. Guy may not want people to know where he's going. And Toby's like, we got nothing. Different flight plan. No girl on board. And Nigel's like, ah, so it's not about a kitchen. It's about a girl. To be Bro, honest. 
bro, it's always about a girl. Yeah. To be honest, there was a lot of fog that night, and Thornhill's barely on a, a landing strip. It would have been really hard to land there under those conditions in the dark. Sorry. Sorry, Hardy Bros. They thank him for the info. He says that he hopes to find their girl. Once they're gone, he pulls out his cell phone and starts to call somebody. And looking super sinister, of course. Of course. Uh, we cut to that, that oft-used establishing shot of Rosewood at the train. Mm-hmm. Um, We're in Arya's room. Yeah. Spence- Arya's on the bed of Spencer Paces. Yeah, Spencer's there. She's worried that maybe she should have kept her mouth shut with Hannah about uh, the illegal issues. And Arya's like, well, how can it get any worse? Which is just like whistling past a graveyard at this point, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and Ari says, Hannah's mom, Emily's parents, my mom, and now my brother. And Spencer's like, wait, you think A's involved with this like thing with Mikey? And it's like, well, of course. A- A's involved in everything. Please, this is A spray painted all over it. Mm-hmm. Emily comes in. I just got to I got to did the whole dialogue here. This, this, I love this scene. Emily comes rushing in and she's like, come on, you guys, let's go. And Spencer's like, to your doctor's appointment? And Arya says, Emily, it's just a shot. <laughs> Emily says, this is about whoever shot Wilden, and we still have time to find another murder suspect. Spencer's like, and maybe save Hannah's mom? Whatever it is, we're in. And Emily says, good, because we're breaking into Wilden's apartment. She holds up a key. And Arya and Spencer just stare. I like how Spencer's like, whatever it is, no matter how stupid it is, I'm totally in. Yeah, my, That's my me. That's Spencer Hastings. Over the RV situation and breaking that bad news to Hannah is well, insurmountable. Just, I mean, this is can't stop, won't stop Spencer. She's always in. Spencer Relentless. Uh, by, yeah. by the way, uh, Emily's outfit here, it's like kind of like a gray miniskirt, a faded yellow kind of like t-shirt with like a big like athletic jersey number on it, and mm-hmm. then a leather jacket. It's an interesting look. Yeah. Uh, then we cut to inside Wilden's filthy bachelor pad. Yeah, this is a a serious bachelor pad. There's like just like jeans and other clothes like lying all over the couch and shit. <laughs> there there are like literal boxer shorts on the floor right in front of the be like Shit stains on the wall or something. <laughs> yeah, Arya is basically wearing one of those red coat coats, only it's black. It's good look. Yeah, it's got- like it's like Arya's like, are we breaking into somebody's apartment? I have a special coat for that. Yeah, she's got, and it has like sparkly cuffs. Of course. I think course I think they're like big metal studs actually. <laughs> they were. She had to tone it down. Had to make it a little less rib for her place. Oh yeah, um, like her this this coat she has has like metal studs on the shoulders and on the the wrists, you know, it's an Ari coat. Naturally, naturally. Um so Emily's basically in charge of this mission, even though it's a Spencer mission, really. Um yeah. Emily warns them, you know, like leave the lights off in case somebody looks in, leave everything the way you found in case the police come back. Um it's weird like, that she's in charge. Spencer's right there. Well, Arya says, looks like his apartment's as messy as his police work. Quite a critique. Yeah. Spencer said, figures the investigators probably turned the place over a few times. So it might not all be his mess. But yeah, Emily's like given orders for what to do. And Arya gets some gloves out for them. But That's what like, she was in charge of. Yeah. They're like gardening gloves. Well, it's like, it's like regular gloves for Emily, then gardening gloves for Spencer. And Spencer's like, we're not literally digging for clues. <laughs> It's all Arya could find. Sure it is, Arya. Yeah. Um, Emily tells them that they're looking for letters or pictures, anything that connect Shauna and Jenna, the Jenna thing, to Wilton, because that's what she thinks is still their best shot. Mm-hmm. Arya's like, oh, the bedroom's over there. Because, of course, Arya always inspects the bedroom. <laughs> well, she even announces it. She's like, I'll go look at the bedroom. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. She always uh, goes to the bedroom. What do you do in there, Arya? 
Well, usually she finds nothing. That's not the case this time. So as they're well, about even to then, split she's, up, she still finds nothing. Like, I mean, if sure. Arya's A, like, what does she always do when she goes into the bedroom? Does she, like, text somebody else? Like, does she have a minion or something? I wonder. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so before they can actually all leave the same spot, the phone rings. The girls all look at each other, like the house phone, the landline. So I'm just like, it's probably just a telemarketer. And I like that Arya's like, should we pick it up? <laughs> Yes, like, that would be no. a good idea. I was like, no, let it go to voicemail, you <laughs> goon. Um, and then we get the, the POV shot, somebody's spying on them from outside right now. Yeah, so then we cut to Toby's loft. Oh, boy. Toby's chilling on the couch. Caleb's beat. Uh, he's going to head somewhere and get some rest. And Toby's like, you can crash here if you want. And Thus, then it's just like slash fiction time. Thus, all your slash fiction begins. Because just imagine how that plays out. But there's only one bed. Not a problem. Well, the way, I mean, the way this starts is like, it's, it's totally like, insert your fan fiction here. You know, I'm beat. I mean, crash here if you want. This is where you go from like, like guitar riffs to like saxophone mm-hmm. to like Kevin Bacon getting out of Matt Dillon's shower. Yeah. Um, and then Toby, he's like lying on this like couch, like staring at that like, uh, NW lighter, you know, the one he found in the premiere of the season yeah. and Caleb's like something bugging you and Toby's like the fog how do you know it was foggy that night like how did uh, Nigel Wright know it was foggy Ooh, very clever because Nigel Wright slipped up and Caleb says maybe because he landed there before you know and that pilot that John Smith name never led anywhere either I tried yeah, to trace a genius they yeah. never realized that John Smith was a dummy name I tried to trace down the owner of the plane but it's in a truss somebody's blowing a lot of smoke and Toby, like, stares at the uh, NW on the lighter some more. He sits up. He tosses the lighter to Caleb. He catches it in the air. And Toby's like, what do you make of this? And Caleb's like, uh, NW's bigger. Northwest? Or Nigel Wright? North by Nigel Wright. Mm-hmm. Which is my really bad Hitchcock pun. Sorry. Toby's like, I kept thinking sailor. And Caleb says, but the compass could mean, you know, a plane, a pilot. And so Where'd Toby... Toby Exposition's where the lighter came from, you know, found it by, at the lodge. This is, this is riveting. Yeah, probably used to start the lodge fire. Couldn't turn it into the cops. There'd be questions, you know, with all of them there. And Toby tosses the lighter back. Or, I'm sorry, Caleb tosses the lighter back. Toby catches it. And he asks if he, think, if he thinks that Nigel started the fire. And Toby's like, well, like you said, somebody's blowing a lot of smoke. And I'm guessing it's our buddy Nigel. And then they make their dicks touch. <laughs> So basically, Toby is Mikhail Blomquist and Caleb is, is you know, Elizabeth Salander, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so, cut to Willem's apartment. He's got investigative Wilson. geniuses. Like, I mean, Nigel Wright slipped up and made the most obvious mistake ever. I, I don't know what it's point. It's the old, how did you know about that? We didn't mention what night it was, you know. Yeah, this is like 20-ish minutes in the episode, and these guys have made a deduction that would take in Spencer, like, I don't know, 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, cut back to Willem's apartment. Um. I so wanted Wilden to be like Ezra's neighbor. They probably live in the same area, right? I, I don't know how big Wilden oh, yeah, is, yeah. but I would think so, yeah. So Emily's in the kitchen. Spencer's at the kitchen table using her flashlight to basically read Wilden's unopened mail. I just picture Ezra like pounding on Wilden's door and just being like, dude, there's roaches in my place again. I know they're not coming for my stuff. The water from you really got thing, a fumigate in there. The yeah. yeah. Uh, Ari comes out of the bedroom. She says, I feel weird touching his stuff, even with gloves on. And mm-hmm. um, did they, did she find anything? And Arya says, not a lot. Some family photos, lots and lots of black socks. And, um, his film collection. Yeah, and he's like, a film, a film buff? What? Like 
classics? And Ari's like, yeah, if you consider Lord of the G-Strings a classic. Sounds like it could be a classic. Such as like, I do. (laughs) Spencer Lassitus says, it's weird though. There's no plants, no art. There's not a lot of life, like knickknacks or personal stuff. Ari's like, what I found was pretty personal. Ari's really stuck on the porn. Yeah. And Emily says, Spencer's right. It's like he came here to eat, sleep, and change his socks. Ari says, uh, uh, I think he did a little more than just change his socks. She's haunted by this dead man's <laughs> porn collection. <laughs> they weren't even under his socks. Uh, or what do I say? They weren't even under his socks. They were just stacked up on his nightstand. Like, hmm, what do I want to watch tonight? Jimmy Kimmel or boobs? Shut it down, Arya. Um, well, I love it. first of all, it's an ABC joint, so it's a great mm-hmm. like plug of Jimmy Kimmel. But I would love it if we later found out that Arya like totally missed huge clues like tying Wilden into the yeah. ABC club in their videos, but it's all because she was basically critiquing his porn collection. Well, I mean, Wilden is apparently old school. Wilden hasn't heard of the internet. He's he's got like actual like what like VHS tapes of porn or something. Do you remember uh, Control A or the dorky scene where like uh, Garrett and Wilden are like trying to get in that Caleb's computer? Yeah, and they were based the, on that. No, I don't. think Yeah, that's true. There. Um, he probably doesn't even have like DVD porn. It's it's probably on like a reel to reel or something. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know they they point out that they already knew Wilden's a creep. So Emily's like, well, what are we missing? So Arya like looks over like three feet and she's like, mm-hmm. well, did you check that box? It looks like it's something that's been delivered. Could be a gift. That's pretty personal. This the whole scene makes me think like it's Arya. Um. Emily recognizes the box as being like the fancy steak company that her dad always gets for, like you know from her her uncle well, they- on his birthday. They pick this box up, put it on the table. It's, yeah, it's like some like meat delivering company. They, uh, after like being very careful not to touch anything before, they open this dude's mail. You know, yeah. minor federal offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, open it up, and it's like there's like styrofoam cover inside. So they take it off, and all just like almost wretched because it's like it's totally rank like meat that's been sitting out for who knows how long. Yeah, spoiled meat. Um, mm-hmm. it sinks. It's right. They don't. They don't see a note or anything but spencer starts digging and then there's an a note inside digging with the gloves she's glad she has the gloves for this yeah she she's able to find a note kind of like just like sitting in the rotting meat it's like a card there's like a pig on the front Mm -hmm. and then inside inside the note says can't wait to see you at our little barbecue kisses a oh shit so this is something well i mean this could be one of two things either a sent wilden this note as just like a being a and like blackmailing wilden or at some later point, A just like came and planted this here for the liars to find. That's also possible, right? I I'm gonna guess that, that A was probably sending this to Wilton. Probably, yeah. I would love to think that A bought this meat, let it sit out for a while, like did this whole thing, all designed so that like you know three weeks later these <laughs> girls would somehow concoct it, like find a reason to show up here and find this. Well, I mean, would not the cops find this? Why didn't they? I, I guess. It I mean, makes I guess sense if it why was, they would open it. If it was, well, would it? I, I don't know. Wouldn't the cops go through his mail? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think you would. You would. They would probably call whoever supposedly sent or call the company. And if it seemed like, oh yeah, his aunt sent this, then what? What was the point of opening it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You think the cops would steal the meat? <laughs> quite frankly, um, get to Hannah's bedroom. Hannah's busy crying. She looks at her mom's outfit that she's laid out in the uh, bed. There's, there's a song by, uh, who did we figure out this was? Um, it's not totally important, but there's music playing by Freight Train by Sarah Jackson Holman. Uh, Sad piano music. 
set and it's playing over the whole thing. This is a, this is a, a non dialogue kind of quiet scene of Hannah crying here. Uh, lots of slow-mo pans to like Hannah taking us all in, putting the outfit into the garment bag piece by piece. She's really like loading this thing up. And then in this very fluid motion, the camera pans away from Han- Hannah and dissolves into like another... Well, before we dissolve away, hmm. uh, I, two things I like about this scene. One, it's interesting just to see Hannah like going through these motions. It's not something you'd normally get to see. You know, it's, it's vaguely reminiscent of like Spencer putting on her makeup. In the three B, when yeah. she goes to talk to the PI, it's it's just Hannah being side and like kind of doing something, you know, packing up, getting ready to to take these clothes, and also the way she zips up the garment bag is has the vague vibe of like a body bag, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like her mom's, you know, dead, but mm-hmm. there's no, it's like it's another ambiguous loss to, to Hannah. Yeah. Um. And yeah, then pan and dissolve over to. Hackett's room, or Hackett's office. Uh, he, Hackett's in his desk chair with Byron and Mikey on the other side, and the camera pulls out from that, and we see that Arya is outside on that bench out in front of Hackett's office. She's wearing a, a leather jacket, like a purple or, scarf, like a plum-colored scarf. Yeah, Arya the Terminator. Yeah, her power her power color in this episode is some kind of royal purple-ish. Mm-hmm. thing we're told that uh tony danza and his dad are also in that office but we can't see them from this angle mm-hmm. so of course ezra shows up it's presumably a saturday uh he shows up looks like he's dressed like a student he comes up to her asks if she's there to see Hackett. she says no she's here for mike she tells him that mike and byron are there with connor and his dad and ezra says that he saw the car and he doesn't think mike could do that um aria Remember says how mikey punched ezra yeah. Do yeah. you think Ezra is like still vaguely afraid of Mikey because of that? I don't know. But Arya says Mike's in there getting railroaded and Hackett is just letting it happen. And if there's one thing that Hackett's made his MO, it's letting students get railroaded. Well, you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> this is what I was wondering. Because I guess there, there's like this vibe that like Connor and his dad are just like, you know, really like up this guy's ass. Mm. And, you know, so he's got to make something happen. But then I'm wondering like, Connor is apparently like, like, he can't replace his car, and he drives a piece of shit car, so he may not be all that well off, or his dad. So how much pull can Connor and his dad really have? Well, so, okay. Like, can't Byron just walk in and be like, I am a, I have a higher standing in the community, so fuck off? So here's a hypothetical for you. Like, what if, like, uh, like Connor's dad came out, and he's, like, got, like, those kind of crazy crutches, like, where, like, <laughs> his, both of his legs don't work, you know? Like, Timmy from uh, South Park. Like, yeah, like, uh, like he's like seriously yeah. handicapped or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, like, wh- why does Connor and his dad have so much clout here? Yeah, I mean, because this is Rosewood, and you, like, you're expecting it, like, if they were like some like super rich, like Peter Hastings types or something, they could draw a lot of water. But well, it's it's an interesting dynamic because uh, I could see where Hackett very well hates Arya. <laughs> and hates every like mess that she's brought into his like little you know house that he runs there. Mm-hmm. But then you would think like, wouldn't Hackett like Ella? She seems like a very likable person. There's a lot of conflicts of interest going on, yeah. Yeah. Um. So Arya says, you know, Mike could potentially get expelled. Ezra doesn't think that'll happen. Especially since Mike didn't do it. Ezra, Ezra knows Mike didn't do it because he obviously did it, right? I mean. Uh, I think it's easy to think that. Ezra says that he gets what Arya said before, that he can't be in the one to swoop in the saber. And he's like, it kills me. And she's like, I know. Well, she, he's like, but it kills me. And she cuts him off. I know. 
she know, changes the subject it. back to her thing. The yeah. Hackett, you know, thinks that Mikey's crazy and is off his meds. Uh, Arya thought Hack was going to ask her to basically count the pills in Mikey's prescription bottle. And that's just like, did Hackett ask you that directly? directly? Arya, do you know who really did this? Do you know that it was me? No. Uh, and just then Byron comes out and there's like this kind of wonderfully awkward moment where Byron and Ezra are just like, uh, hello. And Ezra kind of says, oh yeah, or yeah, like filled me in on what's going on. If there's anything I can do. And Byron's just like, yeah, no. Arya, why don't, why don't you go home? It's going to take a while. Well, I think, yeah, he just dismisses her. Uh, men are talking here. Um, mm-hmm. I think he, he actually does generally appreciate Ezra offering that. But I think he also wants to know when they're going to record the next episode of their Bad Sad Dads podcast. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, we're really building up a fan base. Oddly enough, they their their podcast also tweeted out a picture of Darfru in your life. <laughs> um, yeah, so Ezra kind of gives Arya this half smile and off she goes, leaving Byron and Ezra to give each other half smiles. And then Byron goes back inside and Ezra walks well, It's, it's very awkward. He's like... They're all just like standing there and Ari's like, well, I guess I'll just leave then since I've been dismissed. So she walks away and then Ezra's just like, well, I guess I'm just standing here now. I better walk away. Yeah. Ezra's like, uh, sorry, Byron, I'm not here to have sex with you. And mm-hmm. Byron's like, damn. Mm-hmm. And he goes inside. Um, cuts to the police station. Emily comes in. She's walking down the hallway there and she sees Pam at her desk looking around for shit. She's surrounded by like eight men in suits, including Very the detective. S- stern looking old men. Yeah. Yeah, uh, including the detective who gave her the key yesterday. And uh, she's apparently looking for something frantically. She's in some kind of trouble you can gauge mm-hmm. pretty easily. And the detective tells her, you come see me in my office when you're done. And Emily kind of shrinks away at this. And then this cop kind of walks around with another cop down the hall towards Emily. And as they're walking by, the one cop says, if she doesn't find that key, we're going to have a problem. And Emily has, like, the key in her hand. She kind of, like, palms it and, you know, grips it tighter. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like she literally has it right behind her back, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you would think that the cops have a sign-up. Like, anytime Emily Fields' girl comes in here, it's usually trouble. Or maybe, I don't know, it's a police station. Shouldn't they have to, like, buzz you in past a certain area? Uh, somehow Garrett made his way through or just, like, police academy. Isn't there, like, a, a front desk where they just, like, put up pictures of the four liars? Like, do not let these bitches in. <laughs> I just love that the show is so good about keeping Officer Barry pure. Mm-hmm. Whenever there's anything that you could possibly look down on the roads of police officers, like Rosewood's only good cop, man. Yeah, yeah. Like they don't they don't dare tarnish his reputation with the fans. Uh, cut to the flight center. Toby's <laughs> holding up his Zippo lighter, flame lit. Well, we first we we just cut to like a close up of the lighter flame, and then that like rack focuses over to Dark Nigel. He's getting a little worried. Yeah, this is the intimidation game going on right now. Toby's, Toby's like, holding up the lighter. And yeah. Nigel's like, I don't smoke. And Toby gives Caleb this look like likely story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he like, he, yeah, looks over at Caleb, looks back with like a smirk, and he's like, lighter might come in handy for other things. He like kills the flame on it. And uh, Caleb says, wow, he's such a chatterbox the other day. I wonder what happened. Talking tough with the Hardy Bros. And Nigel like kind of pauses a beat watching them, and he just takes off running. And then the Hardy Bros like leap over the counter. Uh, to like block him from getting away, like well, out he's like, like the back exit. Guys, listen, but the Hardy Bros don't listen. Caleb <laughs> tells him how it is. Well, they Dark they've Tech got him. Here. The Hardy Bros are on both sides now, and he's just like, whoa, 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 guys, listen. <laughs> yeah, they don't listen though. Dark Nigel, you know, Caleb like lays it out. Dark Nigel was the pilot that night. He filed the phony flight plan as John Smith of Delaware. He flew the blonde girl in a red coat in, and then he flew her out of there. Toby's like, who was she, Nigel? Well, I, I like that. 
that I mean that's probably true. It seems like, and it's funny that the reason this guy slipped up is because he couldn't help but brag a little about like how difficult his, the his landing conditions line. were. Yeah. yeah, you'd have to be a really good pilot to pull something like that off. Um, but yeah, so who is she, Nigel? And he's like, I don't know anything about a fire. It wasn't there. And then like badass Toby pulls out the lighter and he sparks it and he holds it over a wastebasket full of crumpled up paper trash. Nigel sweating now, like. It's just like, just, just, I got paid to fake a flight, okay? It's been a little story. Someone came asking. That's all. And they want to know by who. Was it her, the blonde? And he's like, look, I'll give you my money back. I just got greedy. Caleb says, we're going to need a name. And Nigel says, I could lose my job. I broke the law. Just, her name was, I don't know, Drake, Cece, I think. Just take the money, all right? Drop it. And then he ho- he's holding out, like, this wad of cash in his hand. And they're all just like staring well, at him. The, Toby and Caleb give each other this look, like they've both just gotten the final clue. <laughs> but also, like maybe they're in love with each other. Mm-hmm. As, as Toby's like holding that lighter like closer and closer to the wastebasket. Yeah, yeah. That's how you get somebody to talk. So Nigel sees them staring so lovingly at each other, and he throws the money at Toby, <laughs> pushes Toby, pushes Caleb, makes a run for it. This is where I ask you to freeze frame it. Because when you catch a quick glimpse of it, and I, I happen to just pause it at one point. It's like Gambit and Quicksilver. Well, it looks like, like you know, it's like Toby and Caleb are like running at the same time. This is where you would cut in something to the credit sequence of either an episode of like Simon and Simon or Magnum P.I. Um, <laughs> well, Dark Nigel here, he runs down the hallway like, you know, five feet. Uh, there's like a big filing cabinet up against the wall that he just like pushes over, kind of like blocking, kind of blocking the hallway, but not really. Like, you yeah, could definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, nope, like, foiled again, Dark Nigel's gotten away, and Kayla's just like, ah. No, 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 no Toby, no. Toby is, sorry. Toby could very well have leaped over that thing, yeah. or crawled under it, but Caleb's like, let him go. That guy was never gonna tell us the whole story anyway. Like, they let this guy get away pretty easily. <laughs> this is, this, well, is like, there's... this guy works here, like. He'll be back tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> like, what does he have to come back and apologize to his boss? Like, yeah, sorry about the, uh, filing cabinet, uh, it, uh, slipped. Yeah, but this is why there's not more, like, Toby and Caleb-centric episodes of PLL. This is why the Hardy Bros spinoff. <laughs> well, they, I mean, just this whole episode's hilarious that they, like, gave Toby and Caleb their own plotline. Because well, it's like, I feel like there's a certain contingent to the show is always, like, complaining that, like, why don't the, these guys, you know, do this or do that? And I feel like this is just, like, almost a joke to show how incompetent these guys would well, be yeah, if they I, ever I got their own mission. Part of the problem of the system that PLL kind of, you know, goes against the tropes of is that we're so programmed by it that we want mm-hmm. to reinforce it. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people were like, well, when did the men come in and save the day? And th- this last couple run of episodes has been really good about like these assholes. <laughs> Seriously. Also, do we want to talk about which characters go over to Ravenswood? The spinoffs? Have we already mentioned the spinoff? Uh, not yet. No. Okay. Um, so, but Caleb holds up. Let him go. He's never going to tell us anyway. And then he holds up the dude's phone. But maybe this will. And then they touch dicks. And Toby grins and they make out. Yeah. yeah tongue. Lots of tongue. Um, Rosewood High. Wouldn't that just be like possibly the greatest thing ever on the show? Just Toby and Caleb, like they have Spencer and, and Hannah come over and they're like, look, there's something we need to tell you. Like, uh, it's, it's not. It's not me and you and me and you anymore. It's me and him. Uh, sorry. And then, like, uh, Spencer and Hannah are like, but it's been us two. <laughs> this is before you guys were on the show. And thus all your slash fiction begins. And then the internet just explodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just ectoplasm everywhere. Um, Rosewood High. 
Ezra's trolling the empty hallways. There's Hack on his like phone. You know, Mike sits on a bench. Ezra comes up to Hack and says he wants a word. Hackett's on hold or like talking to one of the cops on the phone. He, you know, asks Ezra, can just wait a minute? I'm in the middle of something. Ezra says, this is actually about this. And it'll only take a moment. So they go into an empty classroom because that's better than any office. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hack- in that Hackett will call that officer back, yeah. Could that be Officer Barry? <laughs> officer Barry, she's like, Jesus Christ, get it together over there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so Hackett points out that they're they're close to a solution here. Unless you've got something compelling to add. And Ezra says, did anyone actually witness this happening? Can anyone besides Connor say for certain that Mike was at fault? And Hackett dodges and like starts talking about like school zero tolerance policy towards violence. And, you know, like uh, this this crime has been committed. And Fitz is just like, allegedly. Yeah. Fitz knows all about allegedly. Yeah. And Hackett weasels and he's like, oh, I'm just trying to see, make sure that charges aren't pressed. But in exchange, there has to be some punishment. The other family won't compromise. And I don't want to see Mikey suffer unduly. And Ezra's like, oh, it's a good thing his medical history hasn't come up yet. I hate to see Mike labeled as mentally unstable and a vandal. And Hackett's like, you don't, you don't think it's pertinent? And Ezra says, maybe. If you hadn't asked his sister, I can only imagine the can of worms that would open up if parents found out. And Hackett, at this point, should just be like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. He says, let me stop you right there, Ezra. Now, I can see where I might have made an error in judgment, but I wonder whether your very personal bias with the Montgomery family isn't an error in yours. Hackett, like, this gambit that Ezra plays here... It's like, yeah, that could maybe stop Hackett from, uh, you know, punishing Mikey, but shouldn't he just turn around and fire Ezra? Hackett has got to hate Ezra. Like, Hackett's such a pussy. Because Ezra just says nothing, you know? Like, Hackett, Hackett is like, like, he's not unaware of the bias that, uh, Ezra has towards the Montgomery well, family here. Hackett is another guy like Byron, who for a long time was seemingly in love with Ezra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's it. Um, and then, like, yeah, a lot of broken hearts left in Ezra's wake. Uh, cut to Toby's loft. Caleb's at the laptop, and Toby's, like, standing on one side of him, and Spencer finally is on the other. Well, this makes me wonder, were they just operating under her, like, supervision the whole time? Did she, like, were they operating on their own and then, like, called the boss when they needed her? Or did she assign them this from the beginning? That's a good, good question. Um... Spencer is wearing this smock slash poncho that, <laughs> as I described, it looks like she got it from Logan's Run. It to me, it's like a cross between Logan's Run and something out of the Good, Bad, and the Ugly. And she has basically Charlie's Angels hair here. Oh, by the way, uh, I don't know if you noticed at the beginning of this scene, the camera kind of pans up from the ground, and we get a look at Toby's desk. Oh yeah. Uh, on Toby's desk, he has an actual like feather quill. Oh yeah, and yeah, inkwell. I Because I thought initially I thought it was like, is that one of Arya's earrings? No, that's not Arya's earring. Toby writes with a uh, like a, an actual quill in in ink, like like old timey fashion. Like what the fuck? <laughs> Seriously, Toby. Even Ezra doesn't have that shit. I know. Even Ezra's just like Jesus Christ. I mean, I have an old typewriter, but. Get a hold of yourself, Toby. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Can you imagine got... what Toby's writing? <laughs> and dear Spencer. Yeah, what's another word for hard? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Caleb's gone through Dark Nigel's password. They're looking at his calls. All of them are basically the same number in New York. Uh, the last one was right after they left the airfield. Spencer asks, you know, if this were CC, where CC Drake, CC Drake went after uh, Rosewood, you know, Caleb mm-hmm. says he didn't get into that. Town, yeah, yeah. But, you know, why would she want to smear Ashley Marin and hurt Hannah or any of the PLLs? Um, you know, was CC helping Wilden or was Wilden helping CC? And Spencer points out that CC left town because she said she wanted, she was afraid of Wilden. So maybe the truth is that they set the fire and she killed Wilden. And this is a setup. It's covering, or this is set up as covering her tracks. Which, like, wait, what, Spencer? Like, out of nowhere, Spencer's like, they set the fire, meaning what, Wilden and CC? Yeah. Or, and then CC killed Wilden, and this whole thing with Dark Nigel is covering her tracks. Like I don't know, it's totally bizarre. Well, so I believe we learned in the first episode of the season from Mona mm-hmm. that Wilden set the fire here at Thorn or Thornhill that night. Then somehow rushed over to Torch Lake to get no, killed. No, Mona didn't know that. I thought Mona told us that. No, Melissa Melissa's told name. us yeah, that okay. Shauna and Jenna told her. That Wilden set the fire. Right. And But somehow we're saying that Cece was Redcoat, I guess, uh, and was there and helped Wilden set the fire. And then somehow, like, they went over to Torch Lake and then she killed Wilden there. And now she's, like, covering up her own tracks. I don't like know. Wilden's like, the only person that can screw this up is us. I don't know how Spencer made that massive leap in logic there. But uh, everybody just goes with it. And yeah. Toby says, can you think of a reason to believe she's not a? And Spencer says, Toby, Cece visited Mona when she was in Radley. And then Toby and Spencer both kind of look at each other significantly. And then they look at Caleb. And Toby kind of pats Caleb on the shoulder. He's just like, hey, uh, can you give us a minute? And Caleb looks a little wounded here. But he agrees. And uh, he says, hey, just don't start making out or anything. We got something special now. Mm-hmm. Spencer says, believe me, I miss him while you two were playing Hardy Boys, but now it's not the time. So Caleb puts on his headphones. I like that even even Spencer makes a Hardy Boys joke. Yeah, he puts on his headphones because I'm sure he doesn't want to hear Mm -hmm. what he thinks he's going to hear. Or or Caleb is working with Hannah as A, and he has like a bug in the kitchen where they go have a conversation, and he's just listening to what they say. Or perhaps... This this cyberwolf here has just downloaded the album, the new album by Tyler Blackburn, <laughs> and he's like, "This guy's music is really grooving." You should listen to this, Toby. Yeah, yeah. And Toby's just like, "We need to break up." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going back to Spencer. Your your taste in music is shitty. Ah. <laughs> um, like no shittier than your music, Toby. Fuck you. What do you think Toby listens to? We know what he listens to. What is it? He listens like him and Emily have the same taste in music. Oh, that's right. Yeah, let Circus Survive. Yeah, yeah. He has the taste of an attractive lesbian. Oh, like not like an attractive lesbian, like an attractive like fourteen-year-old lesbian, <laughs> maybe ten years ago. It was, uh, it was Passion Pit? Was that what it was? No, well, no. Passion Pit was the concert that Paige and Emily were going okay. to. Um, yeah, it was basically Circus Survive, I believe. That's which, right. Yeah. Again, I feel like that was over ten years ago. <laughs> um. So the the great romance of Toby and Caleb comes crashing down but because they don't like each other's music. There's still hope here. Cause so mm-hmm. Toby and Spencer talk in the kitchen. Toby says, how long ago did you find out about Cece going to visit Radley? Spencer says that she found out right before she left there that she found one of Cece's guest passes. I like that she leaves out 
the Ren part of this. Yeah, she doesn't mention Ren. She just says, I found the guest pass and bonus stash. Doctor Kingston. Yeah. Um, Toby reminds us that Dr. Palmer said to watch out for the blonde girl. Any chance he met Cece? Spencer says, you said he was in and out. Maybe he wasn't as out as you thought. Cece could have gotten her hands in Toby's mom's files, and Toby says, we won't know for sure until we find her. That's like and the second l- time in this episode he's done the, like, we won't know for sure until we find whoever. Yeah, he's really um, putting the onus of hard work yeah. on, the other, on the other half of this duo. So he looks over at Caleb working away in the computer. Intently. This, this look, okay, either says, he is our last hope, or mm-hmm. I love him now. Well, the way he looks over at him, it's like just Caleb's like uh, hacking away over there. There is genuine longing that can mm-hmm. be mined from that expression. I mean, I mean, like I know well, I, Toby's... I make jokes about Keegan Allen's face and it's like physical nerve damage inability to emote, but like it's palpable the whatever the yearning mm-hmm. <laughs> radiating well, off him. And Toby, he's got his arms crossed here. Like his body language of Spencer is not exactly open. Yeah, he's yeah, he's year- not yearning doing... for his Hardy bro. He's he... like that was a lot of fun. Maybe they had a good time. Like they realized that they could actually be a part of this show. In a or they, way. Could, or they could be spun off into their own show called Actual Bad Guys. Yeah, and it's just a cop show where they solve crimes and which, live, in, live in Toby's loft. Which may or may not be like pseudo Twenty One Jump Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the nice thing about it is you don't have to deal with the whole, like, these guys are getting older. How do they still pass <laughs> high school students? Because all seven seasons of that show could take place over the same, like, junior year of high school. Yeah. So, Montgomery House. Uh, Mikey walks in. Arya's on the couch, like, doing homework or something. And Mike says, you're a crap liar. You know that? She's like, how dare you? Also, what do says, you mean? Excuse me? Because uh, secretly, she's an amazing liar. Arya's <laughs> trick is that she tells bad lies and gets caught in them when she wants to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mikey's like mentions like the video chatting with his mom thing. He's like, "Come on, they could have checked that." And Ari smiles, and and Mikey announces that they've got Sausage King on on the way home. And uh... this is this is his favorite place to eat. <laughs> yeah, all this is Mike, Mikey loves Sausage King. Arya's kind of surprised by this. Like, well, what are you celebrating something? What happened, Arya? A sausage fest is always a celebration. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened? Fitz happened. Uh, yeah. Mikey tells her how uh, Fitz talked to Hackett. Suddenly Hackett had his back and told Connor his dad that without prints or witnesses, there's nothing on Mikey, no reason to expel him. Mm-hmm. And Arya's just like, hmm. And so then uh, Arya says, come on, Mike, that's not you. Or I'm sorry, jumping ahead a little bit. Says, mm-hmm. hmm. And then Mikey says, I kind of wish I had done it, you know, done something. And Arya says, come on, Mike, that's not you. And Mike's like, maybe it should be. If anything like that ever happens to you again, I want to be ready. And he walks off, and he's like, come eat some Sausage King. He leaves her alone with her thoughts. Once again, I'm I'm hungry for Sausage King. Every time they mention this. Yeah. Are you hungry for Sausage King? I am. You know, not that long ago, I was over at my parents, and my dad had some... Some, like, some of that sausage that's not pre-cooked. Like, you actually like cook it all the way yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, the nice kind. And so he, like, cooks it up on their, like, you know, wood-grilled fire and all that. Um, and it just wasn't very good. And ever since then, I've been like, I want good sausage. I feel like uh, every other episode of Actual Bad Guys, Toby and Caleb get their their missions you know, from, like, somebody at a Sausage King. Oh, yeah. And they just, like, stop in. They order, like, the, uh, I don't know, like, the, the, the veggie burger or whatever, which is code for, like, these guys are agents. Mm-hmm. Give them, like, their dossier that'll explode, you know, in five minutes. 
Cut to Emily's bedroom. She's on the internet looking up America's best steaks or whatever. Um, America's finest prime steaks. Uh, which is the box that Wilden had. Oh, um, she puts the order number in. It says order not found. No conf- no order with confirmation number. Like blah, blah, whatever could be found. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then below it says like please sign in to access order info. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Pam comes in her room and she's just like, what are you up to? <laughs> what are you up to, Emily? And Emily's like, what do you mean? Uh, just doing some homework. And Pam says the clinic called. You rescheduled your appointment? And he's like, yeah, I had to do something for Hannah. And Pam says, I know your friend is in a terrible situation, but this is just as important. If you ever want to swim again, Emily's like, I do. And you need to take this shit seriously, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will drive you to the appointment myself tomorrow. And he's like, I'm sorry, Mom. Jeez. You know, do you want me to meet you at work again tomorrow? And Pam kind of looks frustrated and doesn't say anything for a second. And she says, no, I won't be at work. I got suspended today. Emily looks very kind of surprised and guilty about this. And Pam's like, just do your homework. I need to call your father. So she leaves and then Emily's laptop beats. She's got a new message. The message says, you crashed Wilden's. Now I'll make it all come crashing down. Kisses, A. And Emily's like, well, that's ominous. Mm-hmm. And totally expected. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the, I was really like confused at first when Pam does like her, what are you up to? Because it's a great response. It's a great mm. question to start off the scene. But like, I feel like in Pam and Wayne's world, Emily is either their perfect princess, <laughs> you know, who can do no wrong, even though she seems vacant to them. Or whenever she acts out, it's never like to them. It's never like Emily has a plan or she's specifically going against their wishes mm-hmm. for a reason. It's always that there's just something wrong with her. Like she's afflicted with lesbianism. So that's like causing her to not, you know, follow this perfect plan or something. They never. They never take into account that Emily might just be like a devious planner, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they never really suspect like malicious intent. Yeah. Um, so, because yeah. of the hallway out, speaking of malicious intent, because of the hallway outside Ezra's <laughs> apartment where Arya's knocking the door. Extremely no malicious intent. Yeah. Uh, she tries, tries a couple times. She's not getting any answer. It fits his door. So, she pulls out this note and slides it under his door. And then she turns to leave. But then, oh, there's Ezra just rounding the corner. With groceries. And, and he's, he's like, like twice in one day. In one day. <laughs> and uh, oh god, this dialogue. She, yeah. So she says that she was leaving him a thank you note because an email felt a little impersonal. And Ezra says it. It all feels impersonal lately. <laughs> and Ari's like, I'm glad. I'm really glad you swooped. And he says, You know, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for you, right? Ugh. Which is like, holy shit! Back up a little, like. Man, Ezra, you're what? At least 24 or 25? Like, that's what you lead off with? Jesus. Well, he keeps staring at her. And I swear to God, he, like, steps, like, a, like a step closer. Like, maybe he thinks they're about to, like, do the yeah. dive in for a kiss. And she's just like, yeah, I gotta go. And she bounces. Well, it, there isn't anything you wouldn't do for me? Like, could you talk Maggie into getting a 31st trimester abortion? Because I already be pretty down to that right now. But it feels like right now... Ari is not interested in getting back of Ezra. It's not even just about the circumstances. No, I mean, I, I do think we're supposed to get a little, even when Ezra, like, drops this creepy line on her. She is conflicted. A like, little bit, but yeah. it's also... She's remembering also, how horrible they were together. Yeah, and a little bit just, I think, also that he's not respecting her wishes. Yeah. Which he's ab- absolutely not. So he just leans against the wall and sighs. It's just like, man, I tried my best line on that 17-year-old girl. Totally flopped. 
back to the typewriter. At least I don't have like a, a quill and ink pen. <laughs> Maybe you need that. Maybe he needs to go bro down to Toby and be like, tell me about your quill and ink pen. So we cut to jail. Ashley is disgusted that Hannah is self defense. That she, she pleads self defense. Hannah rather lose Ashley for twenty years than forever. Yeah, there's this whole conversation where Hannah's like, you know, cop a guilty plea for self defense. There's no other way. And Ashley's like, you know, I didn't do this. Hannah knows, but you know, losing Ashley for twenty years is better than forever. Like Hannah will take twenty years. Ashley would too if it means they'll be together again someday. Yeah. And Ashley's like, no, I'm innocent. And Hannah's like, look around. They know the truth. Or we know the truth, but no one else is buying it. And Ashley says, listen to me, Hannah. I can accept responsibility for the choices I made that put Darren Wilden in our way. But I will not admit to a murder I didn't commit. Right. He doesn't get to die and leave me looking like a criminal. I like that line. Yeah, it's a good line. And then time's up. You know, guard comes in. Uh, I don't know. At least Ashley's fighting it. Hannah like is way way too like capitulating here. You know? Well, it's it's like Ashley's finally crawling out of like this exterior shell that she's been hiding in. You know, sadness and mopiness or whatever. Well, and no offense to Spencer, but you know what you overheard your mom and dad talking about is not exactly the same as like the legal meetings that Ashley's been having with her lawyer. Yeah, yeah. like probably shouldn't just give up hope because Spencer heard or overheard her mom and dad talking. Yeah. And so Ashley gets up, she's kinda of frustrated, but she's fighting now. Hannah's face. Yeah. Um, so we got to some apartment somewhere where Dark Nigel's playing no, tea. I'm pretty sure this is the the same um what's it called? The the flight building, the oh, flight center. It? It, it's this well, I, I can tell you it is the same set. I don't know if it's supposed to be the, the same building or not. But. Okay. Okay, yeah. uh, but he's pouring tea, and he's talking to somebody. We don't see him yet. And he says, Caleb, he's the one with the long hair. I think he's the <laughs> one who took my phone. And he confirms that it's, if I heard this right, Lady Grey Tea? Yeah, I don't know what that is. I guess, to me, in, in all of the f- the famousness of TV, like, you know, brewed tea, it, it's the female counterpart to tea, Earl Grey, hot. hot. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if Lady Grey Tea exists or not. Hmm. Hmm. Would somebody who drinks Lady Grey tea potentially have also once gone as Lady Gaga to a Halloween party? Perhaps, because he he brings the tea over to this person he's talking to and says, I'm sorry, screwed up. Careful, babe, it's hot. Careful, babe, it's hot. He sets the tea down on a little like end table. table, and on that table is a folded-up cane uh, with a white tip. We all know what those are used for, and some big sunglasses. So who like, could he be possibly have been talking to? I mean, either, I mean, it's, it's either the Jenna thing or like, this is just like total, like, like hit you in the face misdirection, you know? Right, right. Like, no, he was talking to somebody else who just had Jenna's things for some reason. Like he was so in love with Jenna that when she dumped him, he went out and like paid a prostitute yeah. to change her entire life to look like Jenna. Um, well, so, go, some poor girl. Let's say, let's, let's assume this is Jenna. Okay. Uh, because it seems like they want us to assume that. Yeah. So, was he just the whole CC thing? Was that just he was instructed to throw that out to throw somebody off the track? Yeah, seemingly. Right. You would think so. Which, which, 
Jenna was like back to kind of being blind again by this point, though, wasn't she? Well, and so was Jenna... potentially Dark Nigel the one driving the car last week? Could be. Because, yeah, Jenna's kind of like, her ass is blind again. Like, I don't think Jenna could have. I guess she could have ridden in the plane, but. I mean, I. I no, because, you know, when in, in that episode, um, when Toby gets conked over the head, mm-hmm. that is like absolutely Jenna who's in front of him, who he's following. Like, it's totally her out. Her and probably silhouette. Shauna who beats him over the head. Could be, yeah. So, like, maybe it was Cece? I don't know. This, this is, this moment is curious to me as to. Was, is Dark Nigel, was he telling the truth about it being Cece Drake, or was he just told, like, throw out this name just to, to throw them off the scent or point them in the wrong direction? Which is know? very smart. Yeah. I mean, like, like. Because Cece's super suspicious anyway, so. Like, to be given, like, layers of backstory, should somebody see through, like, one level? Mm-hmm. Here's your, your next dummy, like, cover to throw out. Anyway, so we cut to the. It's like it's night. It's Emily's bedroom. She's tossing and turning. She's sleepless and worried. She gets out of bed. She Guilty conscience. That, yeah, she pulls that keto woman's apartment out of her purse. Uh, I guess presumably the thinking that we're supposed to get is that she's going to go confess to her mom. Uh, maybe Debatable. I don't know. She Debatable. she gets up and at the top of the stairs, she can hear her mother talking on the phone down below, and just decides to listen in. And we hear Pam saying, "Yeah, without pay." I I don't know how long. I mean, it's either going to be until they find that key or they decide I'm at fault. Wayne, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I mean, should I be looking for something else? No, no, honey. Look, you and I both know we can't afford for me not to be working. And then her mom, Emily's like listening in on all this. Apparently, like money is pretty tight in the Fields household right now. Hmm. Seemingly like not even getting into the like paying for college part <laughs> right right uh, her mom walks into the living room so emily like creeps down the stairs and her like little like biking shorts and t-shirt there mm. and uh, i guess just to listen like if pam were to walk back in right now emily would look very suspicious you know yeah, like, yeah. emily what are you doing here emily's not a great eavesdropper uh, so Pam's, you know, in the living room. She hears a noise. She looks out her front window. There, headlights well, shine in on b- her. Before that, she's saying, "Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, you know what? I suppose we could use the emergency credit card, short term, right? So, emergency credit card. Things are dire. But yeah, then she looks out the window. What's this? Oh my! Headlights coming right at me. And uh, they both like Emily kind of sees this coming too, like." They both scream. Uh, Pam like dies like behind a couch or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's cars driving straight into their living room. The car fucking crashes to the side of Emily's house. Crash and burn, girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pam like dies behind a couch. Emily, even though she's in the next room, like dies, you know, out of the way of all like the debris. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then she runs into the living room. And there's like plaster still falling from the ceiling onto the car. Presumably, like, whoever's in the car has collapsed forward on the wheel because the horn keeps going, yeah. or the horn's just stuck that way. It is a shit show. Yes. Um, uh, and Pam's okay. She was like, you know, just startled. She managed to get behind something so she didn't get injured. Um, but Emily helps her up, and they like run out, run out of the room. They're totally freaked out. Mm-hmm. And then we yeah. get a shot from the outside where it's like that whole fucking car is in the living room of Emily's house. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like just the back end is sticking out. Uh, well, I have a note about that, but we'll get to it in a minute. So the A tag, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> we see that A is shopping at Bowles Hardware. And remember, Wayne made a comment a few episodes ago about how butch he is to be shopping at the hardware store. Mm-hmm. A is bu- at the checkout stand, pull- emptying in their basket. A is buying a book called Home Repair for Morons, <laughs> some duct tape, and a $50 gift card to Bowles Hardware. That's all you really need to fix that situation, right? So then A takes out the chained pen, you know, on the on the counter there, and starts filling it out to Emily Fields, and the from box is left empty. Yeah, although I'm, I guess they could put A in. Now, I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm pretty sure we'd like never like follow up on that, right? On like the driver? On no, on this gift. Oh, card. we're getting this? No, I don't yeah. think she does. Because this is one of those ones. Like, do you remember the time A had that like little? Uh, like heart-shaped piece of glass that said like Hannah on it and like broke it and yeah. like put it in a box with some super glue and mailed it to, to Hannah and said try putting it back together now like the, like I wish we saw them get those and well, just be like you know what fuck you eh? I feel like uh you know as far as all art projects go you know and A is basically performing uh-huh. performance art oh yeah know, ontological terrorism of these girls like there's a couple that you put a lot of time and effort in and you're like you know what this one not my best work. This is no me putting out like 500 bottles of whiskey on the recovering alcoholic's <laughs> front porch. But it is just kind of mean. Oh, it's so. beautifully mean. I would have absolutely loved to see Emily's reaction to this because it's just so, so shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, the next episode is called Guilty Girl's Handbook. Guilt- the Guilty Girl- Girl's Handbook. Yeah. Um, so I saw something in an interview with like I, Marlene King once where she talked about anytime that they destroy a set. It's it's typically facilitated by you know, not just a story, but they need to move the set or something like that. So they think, well, here's a really good reason mm. for us to destroy something in a big way. I see that, yeah. Um, I, I like that they they're able to use like the actual logistical you know issues and like funnel that into like what can we do? Well, how can we use this? What can we, how can we make it fun? Um, yeah. So the wiki points out something that's kind of clever, or maybe it's just simple and easy. Crash and burn, girl. You know, the burning night at the lodge, car crashing into Emily's. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, the title was ridiculous, but it works. In case you're wondering, a lieutenant colonel in the National Guard, on average, makes about like 80K. Mm. I mean, I don't know how much it costs to live in Rosewood, but it's, it's, it's a livable wage for a, a single income. You like, presume that Pam's not doing terribly working for the police department. She at least has. Well, benefits. she just got fired, you know. Well, I mean, but prior, um, because it seems like like times are hard for the family even before that, though. You well, know, you know, he might even be, you know, that's average is like around eighty k. He might be making more. So, hmm, hmm. Um, I mean, their house the... is probably paid off, right? Seems I... like they've been living in there Emily's whole life. You would think so, yeah. So it's. I don't know. They probably have a pretty good mortgage, is what I'm saying. So back in April of 2013, Brian Holdman had jokingly tweeted out that the uh, tentative title for this episode was called Bros Kicking A. <laughs> but not really. I mean, what do we really find out? That maybe C.C. Drake is involved, or maybe this is all just misdirection Right. Jenna? Right. Well, I think he came back him. and said that was a joke, but yeah. it's, it's yeah, yeah. his title. Uh, but yeah, next week we'll be back with the Guilty Girls Handbook. Not next week. Whenever we do one of these, probably in a few days. Yeah. Um, yeah any, any other thoughts? Well, I always say this week, last week, just because I think of the show and yeah. the episodic nature. Um, and eventually we'll get to that point where we're not releasing three episodes a week. Huh. Um, Can't stop, won't stop. 
a couple minor things like again thank you so much norman buckley for just mentioning us and and you know getting getting our name out there we really appreciate it for uh putting your picture on instagram of darth rune your yeah wife. which got like if i read that correctly, like 2800 likes That's pretty cool yeah um uh, he brought up a good point of at some point somebody should do like a PLO roundtable where things, <laughs> some of these unanswered questions about the show were like kind of chewed over by the fans. We think that'd be awesome. We would love to listen in on that, let alone partake um, if anybody's interested. Also, uh, I wanted to thank Rachel Watkins on Twitter. You're one of those people that last time we just, one of the many people we neglected to mention just because there were so mm-hmm. many, but uh, we really enjoyed your tweets about PLO and what have you. So just thanks. Yeah. Um, as always, if you want to leave some feedback or a note or whatever on Twitter, I think the best thing to do is just go tweet it at broswatchpl2. Uh, yep. or you can go to broswatchpl2.com to find the episodes and leave comments on the page if you want to discuss the episode. Mm-hmm. We are in iTunes if you want to rate and review us. That is always cool. We are up to number three in iTunes in the U.S., number two in iTunes for for Pretty Little Liars in Canada. So we're taking over Canada. We passed After Buzz in Canada. Did we really? We really did. Oh, After Buzz are coming for you. Yeah. Coming up on your six, whatever that means. (laughs) Yeah. So um, until next time, you have anything anything else? We're good to go. I think we're good to go. See you next time. Bye-bye.